Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coming up on the Town Tailgate, this year's Hall of Fame nominees are nobody. They elected nobody into the Hall of Fame, so me and Julio get into that. And, of course, all all of the free agency moves and acquisitions, which there are a ton. So just hold tight for that one. There are a lot to get through, and we go through all of them. We talk about the moves and how they affect the teams that they went to and how they affect the teams that lost players. Um, so stay tuned. Here it is. Let's get to it. Also, just quickly, I want to apologize in advance. Um, we had some technical difficulties when recording this episode. So Julio's audio is not quite the regular, normal, crisp audio. It is uh, the Zoom audio. So um, his is going to sound a little rough at times, but um don't worry, we'll get it right next time. Um, still a great episode, and uh, here it actually is. So let's now get into it. This is an intro that I've been holding on to for the last few weeks, but we had to switch it up with the Marcus episode, so now I can do this. Chris, Julio, after six years of terrorizing the country, he's on. George Springer has left the Astros. It's about goddamn six time. Six years of terrors finally over. Yeah, something else happened, too, uh, for somebody who's been along for a long time, but I'm not really sure. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> We won't Hello, get everybody. That. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of the Town Tailgate. I am one of your hosts here, Juli Reynoso, with my great pal, Chris Magical. And Chris, you got something pretty cool looking over your uh, left shoulder there. What's that? I do. If our YouTube viewers are watching right now, you can see um, uh, there is a cool little graphic going on in this building behind me. Um, that's because I am coming to you live from the Super Bowl. I am at the Super Bowl this weekend. Um, I am in Tampa right now. I am here for work, um, covering it, and um, it's pretty fucking awesome, and it's pretty exciting, and you know, it's a, definitely a dream. When you're a kid, you always want to you dream to go to the Super Bowl, but you never actually think that you're going to be there. Especially when you're an adult, you're like, oh, there's no way I can fucking afford to take the Super Bowl. But when your work pays for you to go to the Super Bowl, that's how you get to go. <laughs> so. 
yeah, that's where I am. I'm here. I'm I'm in Tampa. I thought it was a cool little graphic outside my window, so I thought I'd throw that on for the. Oh, there uh, he is. There goes TB. Yeah, there's there's Tom Brady right now. Um, so yeah, this is a special Super so, Bowl episode of Town Tailgate this week. Yeah. So is this your first time in a city, a host city? What do you mean? Because, well, because at, fun fact, I was actually in San Diego. For the Raiders Super Bowl in 03. Oh, I did not know that. Um, you didn't go to the game, I didn't though. You go. were just in the city? Yeah, so um, okay. my dad was a season ticket holder for about 15 years when they first came back from L.A., mm-hmm. and then Jamarcus happened, and he just stopped. Yeah, I would, um, too. But I yeah, would he, too. Yeah, but uh, he got uh, – he was, he was able to get Super Bowl tickets, so uh, mm-hmm. we went down as a family, and then him and my brother Mondo went. Yeah. And uh, didn't – Oh, well, no, if we know that, but mm-hmm. it was cool. I was actually able to walk around the gas lamp and I got to see all the fan experience stuff. So it's like something I vividly remember as a kid. Yeah. So and the NFL still, to, to, the... to this day, hold it. I was going to say, go, go, ahead, go ahead. I still hold the grudge because I went to Chico. So I went to almost every game that season with my dad, except for one game. And Every game we went to together, the Raiders won. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, we lost because I wasn't there, man. <laughs> Were that you mad at your dad year. that he picked your brother and not you to go to the game? Uh, no, I wasn't really too upset because my brother's – Mondo, I don't know. You may have met him once or twice. Mondo's the biggest Raider fan I've, I know. He's got a Raider yeah. tattoo and all that shit. Yeah. Um, so, like, I understood. He was away from home at Chico, and he got to go to the Super Bowl. But uh, I'm just saying they would have won if I would have been there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've I've never been to any form of a championship game, to be honest with you, except for um, or been in the city for one, except for the World Baseball Classic. But um, I don't think that has exactly has the hype quite that a Super Bowl or a World Series or an NBA Finals has. But um, this is my first one, and uh, I was talking to my uncle about it earlier. Like, you know, they typically do like the NFL experience, which is like a carnival for lack of a better word it's just like an outdoor festival that goes on the days prior and i wasn't sure if they're gonna have one but they do they have one here but it's just more spread out um and they only let certain amount of people at certain um locations of it so it's like along the the river in in tampa and there's like four different places where you can go get the nfl experience so that they don't have too many people in one place but it's pretty cool i mean there's a lot of people here uh, that's another thing I was a little surprised about. There's a lot of people here. And a lot of people, I was um, having like a couple of drinks and getting some dinner down the street at a pub last night. And um, there's a lot of people there just meeting people and overhearing people talking about it who are, are here and have no intention on actually going to the Super Bowl. They just want to be here. So it's like, it's pretty crazy how the world reacts in that way, how they still want to come here even though COVID's going on and it's super dangerous and like be amongst all these people, they just like, don't give a fuck. And I don't know. It's just really weird. Um, yeah. I mean, it is Florida, so I, I shouldn't expect anything different, but like there's people Florida. from around the country that are here. Like there's, there's people. What's up? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's people from like, I saw oh, Browns no, I, I was fans. Just Florida, but go on. Yeah. I saw there's like there's Browns fans here. Like earlier today, there's like, there was like, uh, uh, Atlanta uh, Falcons fans. Like, 
it's it's just the weirdest thing. And I was thinking about the Browns fans earlier when I was walking by them. I'm like, I wonder if they bought their tickets as soon as the regular season was over and were like so hyped up and they're like, yeah, we're gonna go to the Super Bowl, so I'm gonna buy my tickets. And then when they lost um, in the divisional round, they're just like, fuck it, let's just let's just still go anyway. <laughs> I mean, as scary as Florida is right now. I mean, it might, it still might be better than a winter in Ohio. So we jump in, we got to do our little typical, our typical, uh, little mini conversations, uh, off season talk. What have you been watching, man? What's anything you've wanted to watch recommend to the listeners? Uh, you want to do this before you don't want to do this at the end. Yeah. Cause, uh, no, because there's some stuff that's sentimental that I think we want to talk a little bit more about at the end of the show. So let's just start off here. I'll tell you straight up. I'll lead off. Um, I've been watching a lot of movies lately. Okay. But what movie are you on right now? What, 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 what movie number are you on right now? Oh yeah. So if, um, if you don't follow me on Instagram, uh, there's, uh, I'm keeping a running tab of all the movies I've watched during, uh, COVID. I'm at 70. 70. God damn. Well, and, d- well done. Julio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the movie uh, we watched last weekend, was promising young woman okay and who's in that that it's carrie mulligan okay uh it's probably gonna get nominated for best picture she's probably gonna get nominated for best actress uh basic premise she plays a woman whose best friend was uh sexually assaulted and she pretty much goes on a revenge against the men who try to do wrong to women in that way. Mm-hmm. It's super tense. Interesting. Um, highly, it, it highly, 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 highly recommend. Um, it is a tough movie to watch at parts. It's, um, I, I, I think it's probably even tougher for women to watch, but I think it's like a fantastic movie. Highly recommend. Um, right now you can only, you have to rent it to mm-hmm. watch it. So I, I paid like 20 bucks to watch it, but it was like totally worth it. 10 out of 10 recommend. So something interesting about this director, um, Emerald Fennell, um, she's never directed before. This is her directorial yep. debut. She was an she actress before. Um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about actor directors, maybe because personal um, experiences working with them. Um, but um, yeah, I'm sure it's pretty good. I, I also have mixed feelings about Carrie Mulligan. I've never been a big fan of hers, but... I've also I've also never seen a role that stellar. quite that quite uh like gives her a chance to um you know show her stuff for lack of a better word. Um for me So you would say her roles her roles you would say you would call a mulligan on it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um go on. Uh, I mean, for me, it's just been it, right now. We are in the heat of of uh, of college basketball, so it's been a lot of college hoops and also NBA to keep up on my NBA podcasting because I love the NBA. But a lot of college hoops, and there's college hoops all day, every day. So that's pretty much the main thing I've been watching. Not been diving into a lot of TV shows or movies, um, especially with March Madness in a month. Um, yeah, um, and. Um, I mean, Julio knows this, but for the listeners, I'm a huge college hoops fan. Not a lot of people um, are college f- hoops fans, but uh, if you want to talk to me about college basketball, I love it. You could tweet me. Um, 
And yeah, I'd like I just you know I'm just trying to keep up on that, and there's so many games that um, that's kind of what where I've been spending my free time. Uh, also, online gambling while I do it is one of my favorite things in the world, especially li- having like sitting 10 in my out of ten. Yep, sitting in my living room with three TVs on the wall. It's literally like I have my own sports book in my apartment because I can just make bets while I watch on my phone. It's great. Uh, that's been my my main hobby lately. Uh, we should jump into baseball though. So let's do let's do online gambling. Yeah, exactly. This is a baseball podcast. Um, <laughs> before I jump into, don't forget, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you not also, if you're not subscribing to our podcast through Apple or Spotify, please do so and follow us on Twitter. But let's pick it off with the big three. And holy shit, Chris, the Hall of Fame was a disaster. Uh, this we have nobody going into the Hall of Fame this year. This yeah. is the first time, I believe, since 2013. Uh, I'm going to do a fact check, but uh, go ahead and lead it off, man. What the hell? I think so. I think my biggest issue with the Hall of Fame, because um, like we talked about it beforehand, like we said that there was at least three candidates that we felt like were pretty solid picks that were, in our opinion, shoe-ins, but maybe for the casual baseball fan don't agree because they don't, I don't know, maybe they just didn't watch them. I don't know. Like Scott Rowland. Uh, Tory Hunter and Kurt Schilling. My issue with with um, with with the Baseball Hall of Fame is when did it become the morality Hall of Fame? I, I don't I don't understand why that is such an important thing. And I I know a lot of listeners are probably thinking saying like Chris, you're such a con- you're contradicting yourself. Like you have your very clear stance on steroids. Well, steroids is a little bit different because that is actually a rule of baseball, and certain people blatantly broke that rule while playing the game of while playing in the in major league baseball in the league um say what you want about kurt schilling and his craziness the guy is batshit crazy he's got clearly a lot of very interesting um issues that he does not quite understand i won't even get into them transgender his strong stance against it that's one of them um but this is the baseball hall of fame this isn't the good person hall of fame so like why are we why is that being why is that weighing in on whether he gets in there or not because if you look at his numbers look at his baseball reference it shouldn't even be a question the guy was one of the best pitchers of his era him and randy johnson single-handedly won a world series against the greatest team of that era um yes i said that right two pitchers single-handedly won that world series for the diamondbacks back in 2001 it's just it it's absolutely mind blowing, and Buster only made some comments on Sports Center last week, um, saying kind of uh, putting the blame on on uh, the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame committee, saying that um, it's their fault for putting the pressure on the writers to be the ones who make the decision um, and have to decide whether morally they want to. Use, they want to use their vote to put morals – you get what I'm saying. Like they want to use – they want to put ethics into deciding if they want to vote them in or not. Oh, yeah. And that's a bunch of crock shit. And I, I'm sorry. I love you, Buster Olney, but that is just a scapegoat bullshit excuse um, because you made the decision. Um, it shouldn't be up to the Hall of Fame on deciding who go, gets on the ballot and who they think is like the right person to be on the ballot. If you played in Major League Baseball, you have a right to be on that ballot. And if you're going to be the ones voting people in as the writers, uh, I, I don't understand why. I don't know. Everything about it, was, when I heard that, 
it was I think it was on a uh, Mike Greenberg's radio show. When I heard that like clip, I was just it it pissed me off the fact that he had the balls to do that. You know. Um, I think the one thing we've pretty much realized. Look, we're, I think we're both in the same boat. Where Kurt Schilling's a huge piece of shit. Um, and not only because some of the things he has said about the transgender community, some of his wild conspiracy theories he's put out there. Uh, you also have to remember that he bankrupted a video game company because he wanted to make a video game yep. and he lost a lot of people, a lot of money and their jobs. <clears throat> uh, but, but at the end of the day, yeah, he was, a, he won a world series to, he took out the Yankees that year. And let's not forget 2004. He took out the Bloody Yankees again with the Red Sox, the bloody sock game. Like the guys, legendary and he should be in um i hope he gets in but uh just don't let him talk if that's the case uh, the weird thing that's kind of really bugging me about this whole situation is we forget or um i would say just the, the average baseball fan and or whatever forgets that this the cooperstown is not a MLB organization. This is pretty much a fan club of baseball kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, it goes down to the writers and at, it it's kind of dumb. I don't think the, the writers are giving too much power. We've kind of seen what's been going on over the last five, six years, really about how much power baseball media has had when it comes to labor negotiations. We saw it happen last year, mm-hmm. uh, how much power they have when it comes to who's in, who's out kind of thing. And it, it's starting to get a little ridiculous. Um, if, if people want to hold Kurt Schilling accountable for his actions as a person, it's a, I get it. I wouldn't do it because there's worse people in the Hall of Fame. Ty mm-hmm. Cobb looking at you. Yeah. What the um, fuck? The dude killed someone it. and he's in the fucking Hall of Fame. The dude yeah. killed someone. Yeah. We don't even know all the full shit that went down like in the early 1900s with those yeah. players. Like pre-segregate like in segregation times and all that we don't even know dude scott Rowland was arguably the best third baseman of the 2000s yeah like the only people you could put ahead of him arguably would be a rod who was not a full-time third baseman his whole time time, i would argue yeah yeah well let's see when he got traded to the yankees in 04 is when he okay so he was a third baseman majority of the decade yeah but yeah. because he went in 2004 to yankees but still uh scott Rowland, seven-time gold glove or seven-time all-star or eight-time gold glove winner he won the world series in 2006 career numbers uh 316 home runs uh i just have the career batting average 281 like batting average dude mm. and he was a part of an awesome cardinals team in 2006 that won the world series yeah I truly don't understand what the parameters are at these days because, well, like we're going to be in a lull for a little bit. If you got to be real, like if you look at the next few, I think we talked about this last podcast. Um, we're going to be on a bit of a dry spell because of steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, next guy is coming up next year who should have been a lock, but is probably not going to be as David Ortiz because of steroids. Yeah. And this is the time where it's like somebody like Scott Rowland or somebody like Tori Hunter, like, they do deserve to get in, man. Like mm-hmm. they're those guys were revolutionary. What we did, like how many times uh, we probably hated Tory Hunter when he was 
because he terrorized the A's with the Twins. And, and uh, he would constantly rob, how many times, rob our guys of home runs. Yeah, yeah, but how many times would you be like playing like pickup baseball with your friends at the yard and you'd be like, oh, rob, rob home run, Tory Hunter. Mm-hmm. Like the dude was yeah. revolutionary. And it, yeah, it, it, it's just, I, we've talked about this before too. Baseball, because of Cooperstown being around so long, it just seems so much harder to get into the Hall of Fame when it shouldn't be compared I, to other sports, especially basketball. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, my my, I I don't agree with you on that one. I think that the writers, in my opinion, should be the ones um, voting on awards and voting on uh, Hall of Fame because no one knows baseball and the ins and outs of it and the entire league as a whole more than people who cover it for a living. They get paid to inform the public on it so like if we did fan voting that would be the most lopsided i mean look at look at the all-star voting this year for the nba we were just talking about it like clay thompson's getting votes he hasn't stepped on a court yet like you know like that that would be a disservice coaches coaches and retired players would be biased um owners would be biased like there really no is no better person people than the writers but i think my way to solve this problem is start taking away hall of fame votes from people like you should have an expiration date. If you've had a Hall of Fame vote for forty years, like you gotta, it's gotta go, and it should go to these, to a younger audience to try and like get a, a different perspective. It should go to us. What's <laughs> up? I'll take a Hall of Fame vote, dude. And I know this I podcast is starting. It's probably starting to become the like okay boomer podcast because we constantly shit on them. But like it's it's beginning to be a problem. Like I mean, and and why shouldn't um, younger baseball um journalists have a say in what happens like i know like a lot of people don't even get that vote until they're in like they're until they're like 45 and by the time they're like their heroes of their childhood have made it onto the ballot like they're either long gone either they're out and they're not on the ballot or they're or they're um or they're already in so it's like why can't those guys have a say like i don't know it just it, it baffles my mind the whole system is just completely out of whack or or let those guys still have a ballot, the older people, and just add like a thousand more ballots and get a, get more writers in there to kind of balance it out more. I just I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me, man. Like it, the whole uh, the system of of getting um, the analytics in. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um. Well, we'll wrap this up in a moment. Uh, but I, if they really want to, like, be better at this, I think they need to take a page from the Oscars, which is when Oscars a few years ago, they had that whole movement with the you know, hashtag Oscar so white. And what they did is they they really diverse their voting pool. Yeah. Um, if baseball, if they if, if baseball truly thinks that this is an issue. And I think amongst people like us, we do think it is, whether they think so or not, they yeah. should do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many other problems going on in the game right now that I feel like that's kind of in the back burner. Yeah. But true. We'll see. Uh, speaking of other baseball problems, uh, there is a couple union stuff that we should probably know about if you haven't heard already. Uh, the uh, MLB union rejected a deal which included uh universal dh as well as an expanded playoff for the formal season and as of a couple days ago they also uh rejected a proposal to delay the season by a month Um, this was actually a pretty interesting one 
if you haven't heard too well, much about it. Well, it should be it also should uh, be noted Julio that that this isn't um like it's done like it's completely like it like the there no discussion. It's just it's still being negotiated. It made, MLB made an offer to the players association. Those were the main things in that offer and uh they uh the players association uh denied it basically. Yeah. Um so, so yeah. This one's a little interesting though with the month delay because this was actually came down from the Biden administration because they're like, Hey, they were only going to lose eight games and they're like, you're going to get full pay and everything it, from what it sounds like is they just want to wait a little bit. And that, that point the players will be able to get vaccinated mm-hmm. and then you just don't have to worry about it at all. Yeah. Um, and the player shot it down. So it, this is we've known this was going to be messy. Yeah, we've been talking about it for the last how many months? This podcast we're doing this now, like seven months. Yeah, and it's going to build up to something worse because in reality, if this is what's being brought to the table, um, then why wouldn't you just lose eight games so you can get the league vaccinated and you just don't even have to worry about this for the rest of the year, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about all this though? I don't know. I, 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 this is, I think this is more of, more or less of the beginning to what's going to be a pretty ugly negotiation next off season. Um, and I'm, I'm with the players for standing their ground, but I think these are just such important things that are really helped the game last year with the universal DH and the expanded playoffs. So I get what they're doing. It's, it's a good strategy, but, um, I do hope that these things eventually do end up as like permanent like changes because i had so much fun watching the wild card um round last year so i don't know we'll see it's it's very fluid um i don't know i think kind of leads us to our next thing though the you know the the cactus league they asked for for the start of spring training to be delayed um because of covid because the cases are going up and and honestly like arizona so i saw that uh jeff passan tweeted something about in regards to this um when the governor of Arizona first came out and said, like, you know, we don't want, like, more people here. And he was like, uh, you have people at, like, hockey games, at, like, coyote games, but you don't um, – but you draw the line with um, allowing attendance at baseball games. Well, it's a little bit different because people – it's like a tourist event. People are coming from all over the country to Arizona to watch spring training, to watch their teams, get to know their prospects – so you're potentially bringing COVID cases from around the country into your state, and it could potentially blow that up. Whereas a Coyotes uh, NHL game, you're only allowing fans in the area into your game. So it's it's I don't know. It's a lot different. Sorry, Jeff. We love you, but um, that was a pretty stupid thing to tweet. You should have put more thought into it. Um, um, and anyway, it was denied, so it doesn't matter. Arizona is going to have to figure it out. And I imagine that it's a huge moneymaker for them, probably drives their most of their economy for the year. So I can't imagine them canceling it and not allowing fans. They're probably just going to pull ahead through it and just deal with the consequences afterward. Right. I mean, how how do you see that panning out? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we're kind of seeing more or less the same thing because look, in reality, Baseball needs it. We need to do. We need dudes to like get in shape, get yeah. ready to play, kind of thing. Um, that's 
and then and you can make some extra money out of it why not it's kind of the same thing that's happening with the olympics is there's been a lot of rumors going around that they just straight up like cancel the tokyo olympics um because in reality uh so yeah it's about the competition it's about uh just seeing the best in world of what they do yeah. but also it's a huge revenue generator for the host country so in tokyo yeah um same situation happening right now what's the point if you can't make money off of all the ticket prices and we've both been to spring training a bunch of times we know how expensive mm-hmm. tickets can be especially if it's going to be a, a marquee team like the the cubs or the dodgers unless you want uh, to die unless you want to die out in the grass and, in the sun and get heat stroke yeah you probably you want to pay for nicer tickets so you'd sit in the shade yeah um yeah, exactly. So it's it, it'll be. This is all. This is so fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to be happening? If you're kind of keeping up with how COVID numbers are actually doing, it's there's actually was a number that came out that there is actually more people vaccinated than you reported cases as yeah. of like the last few days. So uh, vaccination is actually um, just reading some of the numbers. They're actually doing way better than they thought they would be. Well, it depends on the area, uh, so, Julio. Arizona is doing really well, um, but Northern California is doing it, – it's bad. Uh, my parents just got approved for vaccination, and they're well over 65. Oh, LA, in terms of um, – yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then so, but Southern California is doing great. Like it was three weeks ago that they started allowing people over 65 to get it. So it's like it really depends on the area. I don't know why – it's the distribution so bad in certain places, but yeah, I think Arizona is doing really good though. So I would think that they would be able to get it down enough to the, by the time they have it, they would, you know, it wouldn't be too big of an issue. Maybe 75% capacity at those stadiums. I don't know. We'll see. Um, what's, it's funny that you say that because we're going to talk a little bit more about the Northern California COVID vaccine stuff. Yeah. Um, all this stuff is really fluid. We're going to jump into our, our hot stove talk. But before we do, we got to wish a happy retirement from, um, honestly, this is probably one of my favorite non-Oakland A, uh, Dustin Pedroia, the pride mm-hmm. of Woodland, California. Uh, Red Sox, great, four-time All-Star, two-time world champ, and, and 2008 MVP, the laser show. Retired at the age of 37. Uh, Northern California kid, man. It was so hard not to root for him, especially just uh, how he played base. Excuse me, how he played second. He was like one. He was the scrappy. best baseman for scrappy as shit, dude. Like you could not love Dustin Pedroia. He was MVP um, the year 2007 championship, right? Was it that 2008? Year that he was MVP? I have it in front of me. Oh, so the year after. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a bummer because towards the back end of his career, just injuries really haltered him because he was on pace to be a home second baseman. Yeah, um, there's a chance that he still could get him if you kind of put him up against. Like, I was what, just about uh, to ask you that. Do you think he's a hall? Because of if he was, um, it'll be interesting because there's not if you look at the people the second baseman who have won an mvp it's a pretty limited list you're gonna look at like el tuve um ryan sandberg off like at the top of my head um but it's a really 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 small list it's pretty exclusive yeah um like chase setley's not even i think he has a shot i I don't i don't think but chase setley i don't think he's eligible yet though so i think that's part of it no chase setley he i think he's 
going to be up because when did he retire? He's like in another three or four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Trace, yeah, Trace Ellie may have a good chance. That's like a comparison player, but like, yeah, the second base position isn't a huge, uh, like if not compared to like a first baseman or a shortstop when it comes to like the mountain you have to climb to get in. Mm-hmm. But like, he could get in. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't. I mean, after seeing like Scott Rowland not get in, I don't think that he's getting in. Like, I would be shocked. It's it sucks because he's got an MVP and he was probably yeah he, he was the best second baseman in all of baseball for I don't know like a six year span there and then injuries really just tore him down. But he was such a key piece and even like his later years in those like the 2012 was it twelve or thirteen championship two thousand thirteen that was one thirteen. He was a big piece, like as a leader, um, in that clubhouse for that championship. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he gets in. Um, yeah. All right, so I, I have it in front of me. There's, wow. Uh, he is only the. There's only five second basemen in the American League to win MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Geringer. He was in the Tigers in 1937. Joe uh, Joe Gordon in 1942. Say Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan was in the AL. Yeah. And then in the NL, it's a little more consistent. So Joe Morgan's won it twice. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Fitch from the Cardinals in the 1930s. Jackie Robinson, Ryan Sandberg, and then another person I think should get in. Jeff Kent won in 2000. Um, it'll be interesting. He's not a first ballot. No, but definitely not. I could see because he is a Red Sox, because he has those two titles, the MVPs, and like the first half of his career, he was on the level. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I hope so. Um, I, he was only somebody I really liked. I think, I think he was probably one of the more lovable players in baseball. Uh, so fingers crossed. Yeah. Now, oh, dude, I don't know. Oh, shit, dude, I'm getting hot. You feel that? You're so dope, cheesy baby. in everything the hot you stove. do. You're so you're <laughs> like you just nothing but dad jokes come out of you, dude. <laughs> it's the great. hot stove has been torching the last few weeks. And uh, we're can, decided- I, can we just warn the fans right now? This is a long list because yeah. we didn't do it at the last podcast. We talked about Marcus all the time. We've got a lot of activity in the yeah. free agent market, so we got to get through a lot. Heads up. So we're di- we're dividing this into a few sectors. Um, one is is just gonna be like, oh shit, that happened. The no lander and auto trade. We'll get our thoughts in a second. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be talking about trades that are relevant to the A's or acquisitions that are relevant to the A's, um, which are in division potential guys that A's could have gone after and then competitors in the AL and then best of the rest. Rest of the rest, we're just gonna breeze through those. Not really gonna say much. Um, that they don't just to kind of let you know if you missed out on it. Uh, but yeah, holy shit, no lander and auto traded to. Nolan Arenado and $50 million <laughs> traded to the St. Louis Cardinals for a batch of prospects. Um, and the prospects were not great. I thought for sure Matt Carpenter would have been in the deal because he's been more or less the everyday third baseman over there. Um, but he was not. So now you have an infield consisting of Paul DeYoung, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt at first. Uh, holy shit! They did that. Let, let's let, let's approach this from the the Colorado Rockies standpoint first. Let's say let's call this what it is. It's a payroll dump. Uh, 
they saw. Yes. I mean, I I don't know exactly what the Rockies owners' financial situation is, but I would imagine it's not very good because there's been talk of him moving, them moving Arenado for the past couple of years after he signed this massive contract. And I think he signed it last off season. They probably are like, oh my god, it's going to get a bunch of people in our stands. No one was in the stands last year. Maybe he maybe he lost money on the game stock situation. Who knows? I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it it it's just, the moon. It's, it's simple as that. He just doesn't want this money's on money on his books. So he did whatever he could to get rid of it. It's not going to be very popular in Colorado. But let's be honest, Colorado's not really a baseball state anyway. So at the end of the day, I'm shrugging my shoulders for those of you who aren't watching the YouTube. Yeah, um, it, it, I think that's kind of. So to kind of go for the Rockies' perspective a little bit more, um, Trevor St- Trevor Story is going to be a free agent in the coming off season. Yeah, very stacked. <laughs> people, I think some market people are like, next oh. off season. Yeah, which is I think we talked about in the last pod. I yeah. was so filled with rage, I can't remember what we even talked about. But <laughs> uh, so some speculations like, okay, they're going to use that money for Story, but in reality, I don't think they are. I think they owners just saw the losses that they got from the last season they saw mm-hmm. that looking at what the dodgers and the padres were um what they had done in this offseason and they're like well there's no point the one thing i'm a little concerned about and there's another trade that happened earlier i can't remember off the top of my head um I feel like a lot of these guys who have been traded, these big names who have been traded, uh, Francisco Lundero, thank you, that thought of it. Thank you, Julio. Welcome, Julio. Um, <laughs> the whole, the returns have not been great. Yeah. If you look at the Mookie Betts deal last year, who's the prize possession? Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo is really good, and mm-hmm. I think he has potential to be an all-star outfielder for the Red Sox. Um and that, even though like that was also a salary dump, Verdugo is going to be legit. There's nobody that caliber of talent that the Rockies acquired, and the same thing with the with Cleveland mm-hmm. when they when they trade Lindor. It's a little concerning, as like a casual fan of somebody who we've been through so much bullshit this last month with our organization. It's scary of what's going to be happening when pretty much everybody's going to get traded to a powerhouse or to the East coast. That's my biggest concern. Um, but in terms of like, okay, the Cardinals perspective, I don't think it makes them that much better. Obviously in what, the infield in defense. What, in what way does it not make them that much better? Well, they had, there's, there was actually like a fan graph stat that they, they still projected the rock or the Rockies, the Cardinals to be about a 500 team still. Um, obviously that infield is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. A great, they had an excellent defensive infield. You're going to have a ton of pop in the lineup. There's still going to be some questions about the rotation. Jack Flaherty was excellent last year, um, but Carlos Martinez is coming back from an injury. They yeah. brought back Adam Wainwright on a one-year deal, um, who, who was surprisingly pretty good. But again, last year was such a small sample size. You can't really talk too much about it. Uh, they're probably going to still win the division just because, you know, the, the Cubs – look like they're kind of not going to do much this year. There's still talks of Chris Bryant getting traded. Uh, the Brewers actually made a decent deal. We're going to talk about the little later. They might be a pretty good competitor. Um, the Pirates are, um, for lack of better words, 
And uh, the, the Reds Mets are tanking, just or Reds are, are going to lose their ace. Yeah, yeah. They're red. The Reds. It looks like they're trying to like give up but after. That's what I was going to say. Year, so. Like that. So like their division, they're going to pay play sixty percent of their games in their division. Like their division fucking sucks. They're just going to fucking stack up wins that way. So I don't agree with that fan graph stat at all. But the numbers. I yeah. As long as you can pound the ball out of the park, you can overcome your shitty pitching against their also shitty pitching. Like, I'm just trying to think also like big pitchers in that division and Flaherty's the only one that really comes to mind. Um, Kyle Hendricks, maybe. Oh, no. Kyle. Huh. Exactly. Sorry, Kyle Hendricks, but I, I wouldn't say big. Exactly. Pitch. I was going to say, uh, oh my God, I'm totally spaced out. Who are the two uh, starters for the Brewers? Uh, they were on Mason's fantasy team last year. And oh, they were really good. I can't. Oh my. Yeah. Um, I'm totally blanking too. Anyway, I, they're I'm not better than up. Jack Flaherty yeah. though. Uh, oh, Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff was awesome last yeah. year. Yeah, uh, he had a breakout year for sure. And then Cor- Corbin Burns was awesome. I think the Brewers are, to me, might be the like the division favorites, but we'll see. We're gonna talk a little bit more about them later when it comes to other moves. Um, but let's jump right in to some stuff that's more relevant for the A's. Cause at the end of the day, guess what? This is Danny's podcast. Let's talk about the guys who are just down the road, about 40 minutes South from us in the California angels of Anaheim of Los Angeles of Disneyland or whatever the hell you want to call them. Made a of couple orange. Uh, one year deals of orange of Fullerton of Disneyland because literally uh, the stadium is I think it's the stadium is actually technically in no it might technically be in Anaheim but right across the street is orange it's in the uh the city as of orange. Anaheim resident of three years it's actually in the platinum triangle of Anaheim got it got it you're welcome anyways uh, <laughs> anyways that stadium sucks uh, <laughs> uh they made a couple pitching acquisitions they signed Jose Quintana from the Chicago Cubs and Alex Cobb to one-year deal. Uh, Alex Cobb was on the Orioles to one-year deal. Um, and then uh, just literally like an hour before we started this podcast, they were made Fowler from the Cardinals. This is pretty much going to be a salary dump for the cards. They just picked up this huge contract with Arenado for a player to be named later. Uh, here's an interesting thing that – really stood out for this trade what's well one what's the point uh it shows that the angels aren't ready for joe adele to be a full-time outfielder for them um we i we talked about him last summer and he kind of panned out but here's something to think about chris all these guys that they've picked up this offseason so dexter fowler alex cobb jose iglesias rafael iglesias jose quintana they're all one-year deals mm-hmm they all have expiring contracts. So pretty much going forward, the only big guys they have on Rendon long-term deals Trout. are going to be Radon, Trout, Upton, Otani. Oh, Upton. And... Well, Otani's on a kind of a – it's not technically a rookie deal, but it's he's not getting paid a shit ton of money. It's like a Stephen Piscotty deal. It's like a fair veteran deal. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is – honestly, I think this is a smart move. I think this is a smart move for the Angels because it's like, cool, let's see if you can squeeze whatever juice you have out of Fowler left. Um, if there's nothing there, then cool. 
just let them walk and then you have your future right fielder. And then now you're going to have all this extra money to spend on this crazy potential free agent options in the off season. Well, Julio, does it make them better? Cause I would say this was pretty in classic angels form other than like the random massive deals that they signed, like Rendon, it's pretty underwhelming signings. Um, look, the, the, well, let, let, let me phrase this a little bit differently too. The Astros got worse again this offseason. The A's got worse. Are the Angels still? With that being said, are the Angels? Would you would you say they're better than one than those two teams? Do you see that? Do you think they have a shot beating them for the for the uh, for the division? I would still say no. Honestly, no. Yeah, it's the old the old. That's how old, underwhelming old those from, signings uh... are. That's how underwhelming they are. The, the the two top teams in the division got worse, and yet the Angels still aren't good enough. It's the old quote from uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I know you can be underwhelmed. I know you can be overwhelmed. But can you just be, just be whelmed? whelmed? That's a great quote. I think you can in France. Uh, <laughs> but, and also, uh, we, we're not going to talk too much about it because, um, honestly, fuck him. But the whole Mickey Callaway situation, he is the... Angels pitching coach, uh, he was a, the manager for the Mets, and then he was a pitching coach for the Indian, uh, Cleveland. Um, he's in a huge hot water over some sexual assault allegations. Uh, the team has decided, instead of firing him, uh, because they're, he didn't say he did it, he technically can't get fired, I guess. I don't hmm. know. Anyways, he was something that... He's a good pitching coach, and I think he could have done something with these guys. But honestly, he's probably not going to be around when spring training goes around because, you know, he's a piece of shit. And uh, we saw how Dylan Bundy actually had a pretty good year last year. They're just, yeah, they're not there. They're not going to be – their offense, I think, will it's going to win them games. I think they're still going to be a huge pester. But, yeah, the rotation's not there. They're not going to be there unless they can pull a fucking – rabbit out of the hat and get trevor bauer and it's yeah. probably not gonna happen they're not gonna be there to be honest with you this this doesn't deserve any more conversation it's just like it's just underwhelming <laughs> anaheim wants to do something right just uh get people vaccinated and reopen disneyland please <laughs> all right now let's Who go to our really place? hated rivals the houston astros yeah uh the houston astros even though they lost george springer we're going to talk a little bit more about him later uh they did retain michael brantley who pulled an okie doke on the blue Jays and they originally announced that he was signing over there. And then it was retracted. He is staying in Houston two year, $32 million deal that outfield will now be uh, Cole Tucker, who was awesome last year for them, Michael Brantley. And then uh, they all, they actually signed Steven Souza jr. To a minor league deal to see if he can make the roster. Uh, Brantley was awesome last year. Brantley yeah, was he was still arguably... good. He looks like he didn't require cheating to be a successful baseball player. One of the few on that yeah. team. Uh, he was arguably like the most consistent offensive player the whole season for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, they got they're getting worse. Mm-hmm. They got worse this last off this past off season. Yeah, and you hinted to it already. This, We're going to tell you why they got the team worse. Going to be yeah. Exactly. Michael Brantley will, and if you think about it, the offense is still going to be great. Um, oh my God. Well, I'm totally spacing on the rookie from a couple years ago, the DH. He was out all last season. 
At the end of the day, the guy's a DH, though. So how much impact does he have? Because he doesn't impact the the, the, the American team League. on both sides. But yeah, but he doesn't impact on both sides of the field. I get what you're saying, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot his name too. I'm totally blinking on all these names today. I don't know why. Um, uh, he's Cuban, well, sorry, right? Uh, Jordan Alvarez. He's Jordan actually a left fielder. Jordan yeah. Alvarez. But no, but he yeah. DH'd um, for him that folks, year. He's a left fielder, but he DH'd for them. Yeah, yeah. We're getting our like baseball reference exercises back in again we're kind of yeah. regaining all this stuff so sometimes we might be spacing a little bit uh so that was with our division in the west uh seattle probably they caught a fish in like pike's market or something <laughs> or whatever and then uh the rangers are the rangers now a couple potential targets uh we know that we've been heartbroken and we lost our mid infield with marcus going to toronto as well as Tommy Lestella crossing the bridge. I feel like these were both the pipe dreams, by the way. Just want to throw it out there before we start. Yeah, these are yeah, these are a couple of pipe dreams, but these are something that we could have seen as something potentially happening. One is uh, Colton Wong, who former St. Louis Cardinal. He is a defensive stud mm-hmm. at second base for the for the Cardinals. Actually, went to their rival with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, a two-year, eighteen million dollar deal. And then our former angel, Geraldton Simmons, who was kind of somebody who's rumored to Oakland before John Fisher decided, hey, I'm not spending any money at all this offseason, and I'm not paying more than $3 million for any player. Uh, he signed a one-year deal to go to uh, Minnesota and as their shortstop every day for $10.5 million. Uh, God, what the hell are we going to do? It, it's starting to seem more and more likely we're staying in-house. Yeah, dude, I mean, after seeing how much money they were willing to spend and seeing that they didn't even reach out to Marcus, Marcus had to reach out to them. It, like I said like I said last podcast, the writing's on the wall. It's going to be in-house shit, and, you know, we're still a good baseball team, but we're not going to be as good as we were last year. That's the unfortunate reality. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's- Wong was definitely a pipe dream. I think that he was going to get the money that he got anywhere he went. Because, again, defense was stud, but also consistent bat. He always hits around 270 uh, with about 15-plus home runs, and he can steal the steal bases. Usually gets, like, 25 stolen bases a year. Um, so And a great pickup for the Brewers. Um, they could use some help after losing um, a, another mind blank but they lost their second baseman two years ago and they you could tell it was they were not filling that hole um yeah i mean brewers are still good i mean they were a good team beforehand so this just makes them a little bit better i think they're gonna be the sleeper of the national league can you call them a sleeper when they went to the when they went to the nlcs two years ago i mean well yes for the sake of when you're going to think of the National League this year, when you think about the heavy hitters, you're going to think Dodgers, Padres, Braves, and then probably the Mets. Those are going to be like your four teams, and you're not really going to think about anybody. But like, all I'm saying is like, if you're going against a seven game series, and the Brewers are going to throw out their their top two in the rotation with the back end bullpen of Devin Williams and Josh Hader, like mm-hmm. that's and like with that offense, if Christian Yelich kind of comes back to what he's been. I think that's a pretty scary team to face. Um, yeah. And then the Twins. Yeah, the Twins with uh, Simmons. This is a really good deal for him. He had a off year last season. We know what he can do defensively. He's arguably the greatest defensive shortstop ever, maybe. Um, uh, that's but a, this is a pretty good deal a for him. Hard. Hopefully. Look it up, man. I'm not wrong. I, I'm not saying maybe. I'm saying maybe. 
but he's up there in terms of like a top three. I'm, I'm gonna tell Ozzy Smith you said defensive. that defensive, and I'll I'll see what him and the if rest you can of find Ozzy Smith, if you can find him and tell him, go for it. That'd be great. I'd really appreciate that. Everybody who's listening and to this podcast, him. tweet at Julio that they're wrong and it's Ozzy Smith, and how dare he? Well, Ozzy Smith does have the best baseball appearance in The Simpsons because he got lost <laughs> in another dimension. Um, anyway, but those are some potential target, yeah, potential targets for the A's. Uh, but we're gonna go jump into some competitors. Oh, and I just want to say, 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 yes, this makes the Twins. They're already a good team. They get a better shortstop, but they still won't break their curse, so it doesn't matter. And they'll lose in the first round like they always do. Nate Peaster, if you're listening, I am sorry. My older <laughs> mate was a, is a huge Twins fan. Um, but yeah, rest of the competitors, we're going to st- uh, stay on Twins talk. Uh, we're going to breeze through these and we're going to kind of talk. talk about them as a whole. Uh, th- yeah, Twins. this is a Twins talk here. We're going to talk about the Twin Cities. Uh, they made a bullpen acquisition. They got Alex Colon, who is the closer for the White Sox. He signed over there. And then they brought back uh, the boomstick himself, man, Nelson Cruz. Come back one-year deal in the DH. Uh, good stuff. Again, already a pretty good team. They're mm-hmm. pretty much going to stay in the path. Uh, we're going to talk about our dudes over at the four trained uh, savages. Shout out to the Schlatters. Uh, they made a couple big moves themselves. DJ Mayhew, it's been that long since recorded. This felt like this happened like a month ago. I know. Uh, DJ Mayhew will be staying in New York six years, $90 million. They also got uh, one pitcher. I was kind of hoping days would make a run on, which was Corey Kluber. He signed a mm-hmm. one year, $11 million deal. And they also traded for James Tallion from the Pirates because the Pirates are actually like a huge Ponzi scheme and don't actually want to field a competitive baseball team. No, they're selling off their entire team right now. Yep. And then let's go ahead and uh, jump over to Boston and uh, talk about Kike Hernandez. Again, somebody else I would have loved they to try to go after, yeah, but he John Fisher so doesn't give up. Yeah. He doesn't care about spending money. A two years, $14 million deal. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to spend $7 million for somebody you could have had at second? Awesome clubhouse presence. Garrett Richards. Um, he's a little a washed, but he's still, the- he's still a solid starting pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one year, $10 million deal. And then the rare, extremely rare Yankee Red Sox trade, Adam Ottavino going to Boston. Uh, player to be named later, but a huge, I think this is a pretty interesting deal. Ottavino was a, it was a pretty great reliever for the Rockies. Oh, yeah. He'll be great for and them. And then, last but not least, uh, Kirby Yates, the uh, all-star closer for the Padres in 2019 had a injury plague year last year, signed a one year million, one year, $5.5 million deal with the Toronto blue Jays. They also traded for Steven Matz from the New York Mets. And last but not least, uh, they, the big fish in the pond has finally been caught. George Springer is leaving Houston six years, $150 million deal. I don't know what that is in Canadian currency, but he got paid. Chris, where do you want to start? A lot going out here. Let me just get it out of the way because we don't need to talk too much about it. LeMahieu, we all saw this coming. They were negotiating for a while. He got the money he wanted. Great. Um, I got to hold up. Before you go ahead of it, I just got to say with that deal, I feel like he got underpaid. $15 million deal. 15, I'm sorry, $15 million a year. 
for arguably the best second baseman in baseball. He's a little bit older. That's why. He's like, what, 30? 30, 31? Fact check that. Um, anyway. Yeah, 30, he's going to be 33, but still. Yeah, moving over. To he's a DH. little older, so you you only want to get you yeah. don't want to give him more than six years. So I get that. And I'm sure fifteen yeah, million a year, I'm sure. and, and I'm I'm sure it's front ended. So it's probably the later years where it gets less. So it's probably going to be more, closer to like eighteen mil in the first couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is shocking. But then you see his age, and you're like, okay. Um, Kluber, great signing. I know Rich was pretty underwhelmed by that. Um. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with him. I mean, it's a like like you have someone better in your rotation right now that's taking that spot. No, your rotation is, but besides Cole, it's pretty right now. You know, like I mean, you could use all the help you can get. To be honest with you, so, um, and Robbie agrees um, with us. It was so funny because Robbie agreed with us, and then Rich didn't. It was just like so yin and yang. It's usually the other way around. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's just to me. I I think it's a great deal for the Yankees because it's like you know. Yeah, if you can strike year. anything that you can get out of him, then yeah. hell yeah, dude. He's, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, two-time yeah. signing winner. But I think this is a bad deal for him because um, you're trying to rehab your career. You're trying to show that you've still got it. Why would you go to a hitter's a ballpark? Pitcher's nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Where like I don't think he's a. The reason why Garrett Cole's still successful over there is because the dude's a strikeout machine i don't think kluber has that anymore he can't even hit the speeds that he yeah. hit in 16 and 17 so interesting move on his end but go on um sorry i have to pull my the list back up uh coulomb and cruz the twins um i mean why not bring back cruz he was killing it for you coulomb's a solid reliever um i think he was in the top five in saves last year wasn't he Yeah, he was, but I just I it's just so thought of a <laughs> um, Yeah, he was top five in, in saves last year, so why not bring him back? Um oh, exactly. Yeah, the Kike the Kike thing and we t- I mean you already talked about that and I commented on it. Like that sucks. He would have been so great for us. But he's gonna be good for them. Pro- Dude, he'll, he'll he'll play no an everyday joke. he'll play an everyday role with the Red Sox too, which is great for him because he's been he's been deserving of that for a while now. He was no joke. I think he was probably like my number one option for days. Like yeah. outside of bringing back La Stella and Marcus, I'm like, dude, I think this you would be perfect for that team. Yeah. Uh, I, he he wasn't cheap, or he was cheap. I thought he could have done it. He would have been a difference maker. I think so. And I think yeah. that's something that we've I've complained about to you, just having this really fun electric player out there mm-hmm. would have been awesome. But no. He went to Boston, but go on. Um, Richards, I think he's washed, but he's worth one year giving him a shot, so that's good for them. And then I'll finish off with the Jays. The Jays are spending money, and they are making moves this offseason. They are going to be – they're going to give the Yankees a run for their money this year for sure. I think the Rays, though they just signed – which we'll get into in this next segment. They just signed Chris Archer, who I think is washed at this point. Um, to kind of replace that, um, that, uh, 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 Charlie Morton. Uh, yeah. Charlie Morton. Or, I mean, I guess you could say and Blake, also Snell. Blake Snell role. Um, I still think they're going to be worse. Um, cause this, that's two huge pitchers in your rotation. You just lost and you're replacing them with someone who has been struggling the past two and a half seasons. Um, 
yeah, the Jays are going to give the Yankees a run for their money. Are they better than the Yankees yet? I'm not ready to say that, but they, I think they are definitely a playoff team at this point. They were a playoff team last year, so but that was extended playoffs. If they don't extend the playoffs, I, I think they're still a playoff team. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm excited too when we um when we get closer to the start of the season, we do our like our preview episodes and stuff. Um, the Jays are no joke. Hanjin Ryu was fantastic last year of uh, top three Cy Young finalists. Bo Bichette was awesome. Teoscar Hernandez was a huge breakthrough in, for the power. And now you're adding George Springer and Marcus Simeon. And then if Kirby Yates can somehow get any of that juice that he had during that 2018-2019 season with the Padres, uh, they're, I think they're going to be contenders to win the American League. Um, there's going to be a lot of questions marked back ahead rotation. Uh, Steven Motts is not really an earth shattering deal, but if he's like your number five pitcher, you're in decent shape. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of question marks, whether they're going to be playing in Buffalo or Toronto. We still don't know yet. Um, but this is a really exciting team. They're super young. They got some really great veteran presence. I'm excited to see what they're going to do this year. Uh, now it's going to finish off. The, it looks like the stove is starting to cool down a little bit. Going to bring it down to simmer. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and run through the best of the rest signings. Uh, former, actually, no, I'm not going to give him the don't Oakland. Don't do that. Status. Don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, he cost no. us yeah, that I, I'm game. Sorry. I'll, I'll stop. I'm going to stop myself. John Lester going to the Nationals. Uh, one year, five million dollar deal. And then, hey, John Lester, arguably, you know why you only got five million dollars? Because you don't have a pickoff move. Keep going. Damn. Uh, but also, I think this is the most low-key best signing of the offseason. Brad Hand, one year, ten and a half mil to go to the Nats. Who was their closer before? I'm trying to think of oh, their World do- Series year and who their Daniel Hudson. Was. Daniel Hudson. I would say yeah. Hand is an improvement on that. Dude, Brad Hand was like the best, second yeah. best reliever in the American League last year, besides yeah. Liam. Um, so killer deal i think the nats are gonna the nats really reloaded this offseason. season really excited for them uh speaking of the national league east jt real muto uh your dude from your fantasy team this last year staying in philly five-year 115 million dollar deal to be their backstop for the next five years and then they also signed archie bradley uh to a one-year deal to be their closer freddie galvez a potential shortstop Phil from Marcus is going to Baltimore for a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Wilson Ramos, uh, all-star catcher for the Cubs. Kind of a shocking deal. He take he takes a one-year, $2 million deal. Yeah, he got underpaid go on Detroit. that one, man. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I read a little piece that um, I guess he's boys with Miguel Cabrera. And there might have been he might have like talked him into coming. So yeah. who knows? That could be a great thing. They're a super young team. They got some uh, talented arms coming up. Uh, Casey Mize, one of them come to mind. So who knows? That could be a good thing to have that veteran backstop back there yeah. for them. Uh, World Series champ and the pride of the uh, Bay Area or the Palo Alto area of the Bay Area, Jock Peterson signing a one-year $8 million deal with the Cubs, pretty much taking the Kyle Schwarber role. They're pretty much the same player. I think he's a little bit faster. He's got a better glove. Um, it's kind of weird though. The Dodgers more reliable lose, too, more reliable. Um, they didn't lose any big names, but they lost a lot of the guys who brought the personality. It's interesting. Uh, and then you hinted at it. Chris Archer 
returns to Tampa. He signed a one-year $6.5 million deal. So the Rays definitely won that trade at the end of all this. Yeah. And then last but not least, King Felix, our old nemesis, just plowed us year after year. Uh, He is signing a uh, one-year minor league deal with Baltimore. Fingers crossed. I hopefully he can get anything back. It's so much fun to watch him pitch. Dude, just stay retired. Like you're a legend. Don't ruin that and that your legacy by doing these minor league deals. Just stay retired, man. Yeah, he he set out last season. He signed a deal deal with the Braves, but then COVID happened. He set out. So yeah, Um, yeah. So hope best of luck to him. But Chris, guess what? This is an ace podcast. We keep, we, that, and we keep saying that, and we keep not really. Of... We keep saying that, and keep not really talking about the A's. We mention like little tidbits that relate to them, but we haven't talked about them. So maybe we should actually full on talk about them now. No, we're gonna full on talk about them because the rest of the time, um, if you stuck around for this whole time, bless you. Um, but we actually have a lot of stuff to cover with the A's. First things first. Uh, this is a back of house story, more so. But uh, the Red Ball deal, so Red Ball was the, uh, how would you describe them? Was it the sports broker firm? It was like a sports like um, uh, venture capitalist firm that their mission was to purchase sports franchise and be um, funding and be um, venture capitalists for specifically sports um, related businesses. Uh, as opposed to like your typical Silicon Valley, like VC firms. That's right. So one of the main guys in it was Billy Bean. We talked about this a few months ago. Uh, there was a, a plan in place where they were going to be purchasing a part of the Red Sox. And uh, over the last few weeks, the plan fell through, which means uh, Billy staying. What that means for the future. Um, I think even Bo Mel and a couple other ace uh, beat writers have pointed that he's going to be gone within the next few years because this sounds like this isn't going to be the first time he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, um, more or less the face, of the franchise for the last 20 plus years will be around for the season. So, um, how do you feel, man? It's not, it, maybe a pipe, the pipe dream is he can get this firm to buy a part of the team, but we'll I expected see. him to be gone. So the fact that he's going to be here for at least another year is pretty cool. Um, he, I mean, so he said in uh, Tim Kawakami, I think, was the one who interviewed him. He said that interview that um, he, no matter what, he was going to stay on for at least this season. Um, I think because of certain contract agreements that his firm wouldn't completely own the Red Sox this season. So he would be able to manage and stay on as the VP of Baseball Ops. Yeah, I'm very curious to see if it ever comes out what exactly happened fell through with the deal um but um i am also interested to see if john fisher continues not spend money like this um and the fan base continues to attack him like we have been which continue to do so by the way listeners keep going keep doing it baby keep going force him to sell is billy bean's firm going to be interested in buying the a's um i think joe lacob is a member a founder of this firm or no he's not I think it's Lou Wolf. So that Oh would god, be no. Worse. Yeah. Um anyway, so we'll see what happens. Um I'm sure I don't know if any teams will come available soon. I think probably if if the losses keep going down especially after the pandemic. So Yeah, I I don't get too attached. But 
we have his protege in David Forrest, so I'm not too uh, worried about it at the moment. And if we continue to not spend money, I'm still going to be frustrated with the team regardless. So it's not going to it's not going to change much. Basically, is what I'm getting at. You know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, actually, you're right. Uh, Lou Wolf is actually on the board. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Billy Bean's a coach. I know Joe Lacob is really good friends with Billy Bean, though. Interesting. So I'm kind of reading a little bit more about. Um, yeah, there, it's weird. There's a lot of really weird ties. So uh, Gary Cardinal, he's other the other co-chairman with mm-hmm. uh, Billy Bean. He actually was a person that founded Yes Network for the Yankees. Hmm. Um, he also put like a huge investment in Skydance Media. Uh, mm. So Skydance uh, film production company, they did like Mission yeah. Impossible, Star Trek, um, the new Top Gun that's coming out. But then also, uh, do you know who the CEOs are of Skydance? Uh, JJ is JJ one or no? JJ's no. company is. It's not. It's not a. It's not a film person. I'll tell you that. It's somebody JJ's who's a really familiar name to us, uh, and that is uh, one Larry Ellison, former Golden State Warriors owner. That's really interesting. Yeah, hmm. it's weird. It's it's so. Um, who knows, man? I think this. If they can somehow pull this off of uh, off of like John Fisher, then great. But honestly, in, in reality, it's just cool. I think the great thing about Billy is like you see when you're at the games, you see him around. Yep. You see him walking around the, the mm-hmm. concourse all the time. You'll see him in the stand. So it's awesome to see He's him the there. presence, owner ownership presence, him and Dave Cavill that John Fisher isn't. Like most people don't even know what John Fisher looks like. Because he's a bastard. All right. He's probably a, a nice person. No, least, he can maybe. go fuck off. Um Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, not so much of baseball news, but I think this is pertaining to Oakland and uh, the Coliseum itself. So let's talk about it. Uh, the Coliseum is actually going to be used as a vaccination site. Uh, more so, this is actually a, a partnership with the Biden administration, uh, as well as, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with the California government as a mass vaccination site. So they're mm-hmm. instead of just doing like their own uh, thing off the side where the organization or the city is doing it, they're actually getting help from the federal government to do it. Yeah. Um, not really much we can talk about, but uh, our fam- friends and family in the East Bay, if you're uh, close enough to Oakland, if you're willing to make that drive and you're eligible to get that vaccine right now and you're open and, to, and you are willing to do it, why not do it at the Coliseum? What it, what it came down to was when Kamala calls and asks you to do something, you do it, regardless if you're a shitbag or not, John Fisher. Uh, when when the vice president and uh, home hometown hero calls you, you do it. So that's basically what happened. And it's great PR for them, so why not? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, not too much sad to there. But one of our great, former Oakland great, has announced his retirement uh, Josh Fagley has retired from baseball at the age of 32. Um, if you forgot who Josh Fagley is, one, shame on you. It's only been two, a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He hasn't been gone for that long, guys. Uh, but two, Josh was a part of the uh, Jeff Samarja deal back in 2015 that netted 
uh, Marcus, as well as Chris Bassett. He was a part of the A's organization organization from 2015 through 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he his big significance with the organization, one, he was always around. He was always like the number two backstop um, doing great stuff. But two, uh, he caught Mike Fires no-hitter in 2019. He's also, um, I mean, he was a starting catcher in 2019. Yes, he was the starting catcher in 2019, and then Sean Murphy kind of came in the halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I was sl- a little bit surprised. No. I guess he must have an injury or something like that. Yeah, uh, he's only he's turning 33 in about a week. So one, happy early birthday. Uh, but two, yeah, uh, last year he was a free agent. He took a minor league deal with the Cubs. I don't think yeah. he even made it into the bigs. Uh, he was DFA'd. Who knows? I could see him. He was around the organization for a long time. He had a lot of great reviews. I could see him maybe becoming a part of uh, minor league and coaching if he's open to it. Yeah. But um, it's actually, before we jump into it, it's something that I I wanted to talk to about. I I didn't have it written down. But there was this article going around about the depth, like each position depth for the A's. And they talked about catcher. And they talked about uh, Sean Murphy and Jonah Heim. Dude, this time last year, we were so pessimistic about backstop, mm-hmm. about what we we're going to be doing. We knew Sean was going to be good. Because well, we just didn't, we didn't fully, well, we knew he was going to be good. We didn't fully know. We didn't really know yeah. what, what the potential was. And then we got to see it last year in a full season of it. Yeah. We're like, oh, fuck, this guy's going to be one of the best in the league. Yeah. Uh, but right now, they're saying this is arguably the best catching tandem in baseball. Dep- yeah. Yeah. I saw that too, and I agree. I, I mean, depth wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, one hundred percent. Yeah, like there's gonna be there's obviously there's catchers better than Sean Murphy right now, um, yeah. but but the two of them together, it's just it's pretty, and it's kind of a bummer because I remembered when um, when Fagley was released, um, I was like, shit, like we don't we're not ready to you know, the like catchers is not ready to kind of take on the spurt and like full-time role yeah and little did we know they did so um anyway uh josh have a had a great career uh, and arm uh, had an arm for days he threw people out like crazy it was insane but now it's going to go to some more somber stuff chris we have a new member of the former oakland great hall of fame yeah Hit the music. Joaquim Soria. Oakland, 2019-2020. He pitched in 99 games. Damn, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, 2019, he had a 4.3 ERA. And then last year, 2.82 part of the stellar uh, back end of the rotation last year. He signed a one-year deal to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but here's the, the more startling number about it. The A's are now 0-7 on potential on free agents on the team. There's four players left. Mike Fires, Yusmer Petit, TJ McFarlane, and Jake Lamb. What are we doing, man? I, I, I just don't know how they expect to fill these roles. I mean, Joaquin, I think we saw that one coming after the Marcus and Listella debacle. 
they're going to try and fill those reliever spots in house. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, which I feel a little bit better about bullpen um, next man up. But it would have been nice to bring him back, and it sounded like we thought they were interested. Same with Petit. If Petit doesn't retire, too, who knows? He's pretty old. Um, yeah, he. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, mean, numbers... I, I don't know. I, I don't expect anything, Julio. That's the thing. Like I, that, you can feel the somber in my voice. Not somber, but the the um, the underwhelmingness in my voice. Because at this point, after especially after the Marcus situation, like I just don't expect it. So like I'll be shocked if it happens. But if it, when it doesn't happen, I'm, I'm you're not going to get like an angered Chris anymore because this is just who the shit bag that we have to deal with. The cheap billionaire shit bag that we have to deal with. Uh, remember how I joked the other day how like we're not paying anybody more than three million dollars? It's actually how it feels. You, yeah, no. Can you guess what his contract was? How much Soria signed with the D backs? Is it three point one million dollars? <laughs> Got uh, close. It was three point five million dollars <laughs> one year. Um, and yeah, but no, you you already kind of hit the the nail on the head uh if there's anywhere we can kind of afford to lose the guys it was gonna be the bullpen um oh they turned off the tom brady thing in the back yeah that's what i was just noticing i was looking back at that Uh, maybe at midnight they turned it off or something yeah probably um yeah if there's anywhere we can afford to lose those guys it would be in the bullpen um we have there's some people we have in the minors who are ready to go there's also a couple minor moves that they made that could see some uh some potential to be in the bigs for us yeah but it's just uh it was nice to have that veteran in the back of the pen um if we keep losing more and more bullpen guys does that entice you more to if you're bob melvin to maybe aj puck bullpen is the right place for him to try and fill well, those, it, it, to try and fill those roles with just at least some talent, and you can use talent to get you through that instead of experience. It's not a bad idea. We've been taught. We've talked about this a lot. Like we've yeah. been talking about this since October. It, it we kind of just have to see what happens with the rest of the rotation. I think if they if bring they can, back Mike Fires, that's a sign. Yeah, and it, from all uh intents and purpose there's been a couple of quotes from fires who's like he wants to come back mm-hmm. um i think the reality is he's somebody who probably could be back he's never been uh an outstanding pitcher but he's definitely been a pretty consistent yeah, guy We've been... he was really good i would disagree he was yeah phenomenal. yeah and yeah it, it seems like he's only gotten better and then last season again 2020 is a weird season you can't really judge guys too much off of it yeah um if you can fill that rotation with guys who not necessarily on the same level as AJ Puck, but people can be pretty serviceable in those roles, then shit, why not kick the tires and see what you can get out of him in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And then um, halfway through the season, if you think he's ready to start, move one of the guys to the the pen or see if you can trade one of those starters. Uh, but it, it if they can't bring back Petit or McFarland, then it's going to start getting like, oh shit, we were running out of arms kind of yeah. thing. Um, but we'll see. Joaquim Toria, Pride of Mexico. Awesome. But guess what? We kind of made moves 
I guess. If minor league moves count as moves, sure. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Perez, um, who, when I told Chris, his reaction was, uh, who the hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you don't remember, Carlos Perez was a part of the Angels for a few years back in 2015-2017. And then he went to the Braves. Um, He's a catcher. They signed him to a one-year minor league incentive deal, pretty much in binary spring training. More or less a veteran presence for fake or vaguely well. Excuse me, for Haim and Murphy. Um, I'm a little confused about it. We just were talking about how if there's anywhere the A's are pretty solidified in, that they're pretty confident going into the season, it is a catcher. And it, it kind of reminds me a little bit to bring in our football background. It reminds me when the Raiders signed Jason Winton, which was like uh, Darren Waller is pretty pretty much established as like one of the best tight ends of football, and then Foster Monroe. Foster Monroe has been yeah good yeah yeah yeah. So why even waste a potential spot on that position? Is it because uh, and even uh, post when Jason Wynn announced his retirement a few weeks ago, um, a lot of the Raiders players came out and like really praised him. So. Who knows, man? Maybe the org might know something a little bit more about Carlos Perez. Yeah. Who they can provide some veteran presence and kind of teach these guys a little bit more. Even though, you know, you have multiple former catcher, big league catchers in your organization as managers and coaches. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. If you're and and to top it off, we haven't talked about Austin Allen as a backstop as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I don't I don't that that was the other thing that I texted you as well. Like, um, who's that? And like, I don't I don't understand because it feels like we have such a solid like catching core and two young guys, um, and also Austin Allen behind that. If, if as like Jonah Heim insurance, so like this none of this makes sense to me. So I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, he'll he'll never play. <laughs> he'll hang out in the minors for a while, and you know, cool. Like, I don't really have much more to say on it. Yeah, exactly. And if you're wondering, um, we should. I feel like that's gonna be an ongoing bit. If if he's in the A's price range, if it's below three million dollars, he was. Wasn't you're going to be wasn't it one million or something? You're you're going to be in Oakland A. Um, uh, it was. Oh, let me see right here. Six hundred fifty thousand dollars salary oh, if he God, makes it to the that. majors. Yeah, sweet. So John Fisher was probably like, ooh. Maybe, That's a little tight. Maybe one point, maybe one point five million is should be the new threshold. <laughs> maybe, um, but yeah, interesting move. Um, they also made a trade for this is somebody that is a little more compelling. I'm gonna pull up his numbers as we're talking. Uh, I was gonna say uh, Kyle Turley, but no, that's not the former lineman from the Rams. <laughs> Nick Turley uh, acquired from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Because, again, the Pirates are actually just a huge Ponzi scheme. Uh, he is a reliever. Um, not much is known about him. He pitched last year, but uh, he only you know, he had 25 appearances. He had a 4.9 ERA. He wasn't great in the majors. Uh, if anything, I think what the A's are probably looking into 
was his 2017 minor season. He pitched 92 innings, had a 2.5 ERA, 124 strikeouts, 1.01 whip. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about these, and there's somebody else we're going to talk about in a minute, just these random pitchers who no names, uh, kind of find them like you, you're in the rotation. Uh, the A's do a fantastic job of developing these guys. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, there's potential with them. Do you have anything else? Like, yeah, I think really he'd be, the... he could be a solid potential, um, bullpen guy, um, which we need those guys in, in the as much as we can right now, being that we're letting all of them go. Um, but that was another one when you text me. I was like, okay, cool. Do we need to really talk about this much on the podcast? And you're like, eh, not really. You know what I mean? It's just, it, yeah. Uh, it, it's more just like, w- it's wait and see. Like, you know, just like, just like Jonah, Jonah Hill says in, in Moneyball. Uh, uh, Boston's going to wait and see. Well, the A's are going to wait and see. And we'll, we'll see, we'll see how they pan out. Um, I, and honestly, I don't know anything about them to give like an educated um, opinion on our podcast. I feel like I'd be doing our listeners a disservice to try and talk about them. You know, I haven't, yeah, I I haven't even read anything on them. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I'll be honest. When I heard the news, I didn't know either. Um, I did yeah. a little bit of research. So he was out and he was injured in 2018 and 2019. So he didn't pitch those couple seasons. And then mm-hmm. last year, he just wasn't great. Wait, I thought um, you but a couple 2017, 20. Oh no, you're 2018, 2019. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but from what I've read, he's got some decent heat on his curveball. Uh, anytime you can get somebody in the back of the rotation or in the ro- in the pen who is going to be throwing heat, then hell yeah, you're going to take it. And he's a lefty. Yeah. The aides love their lefties in the back of the bullpen. Um, our potential. Just think, and also another thing you got to think about: who was Jake Diekman? You remember when we, we we needed a bullpen arm in 2019 and they got Jake Diekman and we were like, we traded for him, right? Yeah. 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 Had, like, they he, traded he, for him. he had a shit ton of holds. That was what he was known for. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't great in 19 and it was weird because like we saw some potential. He, he had, we saw that he had some pretty good velocity on his fastball, but yeah, he didn't look good. And now this guy is probably going to be our closer next season. Mm-hmm. And he was the best, arguably the best reliever last year. So they know what they're doing. If there's yeah. anything I feel confident about what the team is doing, it's that. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to pitching, last thing, yes. but, Yeah, when it comes to pitching. Uh, one last thing before we move on from him, though. High school, uh, pretty prestigious Southern California baseball high school, Harvard-Westlake. Mm, that's that is a very prestigious high school uh baseball program nolan arenado and matt chapman yeah uh no matt chapman was in uh um i thought they went to westlake uh hold on i mean no i think the harvard westlake i want to say is like trevor bauer garrett cole oh okay oh i'm sorry i'm sorry it's Lucas Giolito, Max Fried, Jake, uh, Jack Flaherty, all Harvard Westlake. A lot of good pitchers from there too. Yeah, wow. Southern uh, Southern California man. They know how to breed their pitchers, and uh, they made one more move for the pitching. They got Cole Irvin again. Who? Um, get a little insight. Twenty-seven year old lefty from Anaheim, California. They got him from the Philadelphia Phillies. 
uh, one thing I really want to talk about them. He, he pitched in the bigs last year, three games, terrible 17 ERA pitched a 19 in the bigs, terrible 16 games, uh, 5.83 ERA. But minor league career is where you really want to look out for 2017. He was in double a and then, um, and single a plus he had 3.9, 3.39 ERA 2018 in AAA Philly, he had a 2.57 ERA. And then in 2019, he had a 3.94 ERA. Hmm. Um, he is a starter. We'll see. This could be somebody that could potentially be like that five, six guy in the rotation. Um, he, he's going to have to, he's going to have a tough battle to get to make that rotation. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see if, if Mike fires is like, Hey, I, I'm looking for 3.1 million. And John Fisher's like, Oh shit. I, I don't have it, man. Well, there's a pretty talented guy named AJ Puck that didn't play last year. Who's probably going to look for a starting spot. That's what I'm getting to. Unless he goes, there's also, dude, this guy's six, four. Damn. It's a big boy. Um, but yeah, I I wish, you know, honestly guys, I wish we could kind of talk about these moves a little bit more and kind of can talk about what they can bring, but honestly, it's such a pretty underwhelming on the Oakland side, folks, pretty underwhelming. Really? Only we can really talk about is what they've done in the minors and then what the potential of, uh, having, the co- the coaching organization can do with them. There's not really much you can do with that. And, yeah. But if anything, these these guys are the bread and butter of the organization. These are pitching is what the A's really do well when it comes to getting these no and names off the street. We're also talking about this like we don't already have like a stacked rotation, which we do exactly. So it's like this is also these are also moves that aren't relevant because they're not going to be in there. These are potential maybe bullpen moves. These aren't guys. These guys. I don't think we're going to get anybody in the offseason that's going to be better than Lazardo, Manaya, uh, Montaz, and um, wow, Bassett. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like you know, it's probably yeah. We don't have to I undersell can't... it. Every, if you're an Ace fan, you know how stacked our our rotation is and how it's probably one of the best in the league. Absolutely, and I, I was talking about this with um, my brother Lias. Shout out Lias. You know. As like shitty these last few weeks have been as an A's fan when it came to the players we've lost and and all that. And this is still a pretty good team. Yeah, I just don't know if we're World Series bound like we were before. That's the that's what's heart disheartening. But yeah, we're we're a playoff team one thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, In a division that keeps getting worse, it feels like. The only way I can see them being a World Series team is if the Mats are like MVP caliber, which is and possible. If, which is possible. And Lazardo is is an All Star, and if in Sean Murphy is an All Star, and yeah, yeah, like the the pieces are there. The pieces of what can make this team yeah. really great, we have them there. Like you said, Murphy and Laureano, patrolling center, Canna. Yeah. Uh, on a contract year, it could be big. And there's this is still a really good, this is still a pretty good team. It's just like at the end of the day, we're not going to have the firepower 
to hold up in a full series and they're not going to make a move for that fire firepower. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's disheartening, disheartening. Definitely. Uh, we're going to be finishing up, but before we do, uh, we're going to be talk about a couple. We didn't have a chance to talk about it yet. Uh, a couple major league baseball legends. Uh, we've now lost something about 10 hall of famers in the last calendar year. Uh, Don Sutton, former Dodger, great, also pitched for the A's in 1985, passed away at the age of 75. He was a full four-time All-Star, spent majority of his career wearing Dodger blue, mm-hmm. and was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1998. Um, but we lost an absolute titan of baseball, uh, one of the most greatest and most important players ever, Hank Aaron uh, passed away at 86 years old. You all know about him. Just want to throw out some numbers. 25-time All-Star, which is, what the fuck? Yep. <laughs> uh, a World Series champ and MVP in 1957. Um, 755 career Home runs was the all-time home run king. Depending on how you want to look at it, home run, home all-time home run champion. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Hall of Fame class of 1985. Um, this one hurt a lot, man. Yeah, the I think the first my first response to you when we text about it was um, the two greatest hitters of all time are now dead. Which um, y- yes, they're both old, but still which is him in my opinion, at least him and Ted Williams. Um, so that sucks. Just, I think just Hank Aaron's impact on the game playing in the Jim Crow South, um, growing up there as well. Um, uh, playing for a fan base in Atlanta that was widely like that kind of like forced that demographic to accept, um, uh, people like him and stars like him. Um, uh, his memorable um, uh, record-breaking home run when the two dudes are running around the bases with him, I think says a lot about what, the impact that he had on that city, two white dudes who are running around the bases with him. Um, another funny little tidbit, I told Julio about that that he didn't know. That was um, Craig Sager's first interview as a, um, a sideline reporter. He interviewed... Um, Shout out. Yeah, he interviewed uh, Hank Aaron right after he hit that home run. Uh, which was pretty cool. He was working for a local station down um, down in uh, Atlanta. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. He just means so much to the game. Um, he's one of the greatest hitters of all time, and he's gone now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a pretty sad year really uh when it came to just the, all these these legends we've we've lost and uh yeah yeah him he's just this guy is a is a god in mm-hmm. baseball and um that they you know honestly though the fact that dude we were decades before being born and we know so much about him his legacy will always be around he'll be and we have there's an award the hank aaron award it's named after him now there's some people who are trying to get a petition started to change the name of the Braves because of um, you know it's kind of it's kind of fucked up yeah and uh, change the name to the Atlanta Hammers after Hank Aaron it's Hammer honestly, and Hank 
and also MC Hammer, mm-hmm. former Oakland Bat Boy. Yeah, but that is he, nickname. but he has nothing to do with with the Braves. Who? MC Hammer. No, but the reason he got the nickname Hammer was because when he was a Bat Boy for the A's, they used to say he looked like a young Hank Aaron. Oh, really? I didn't. So know they used that. to call him. Do wait, you didn't know that? Yeah. Yeah, so when he was the Bat Boy, uh, Reggie Jackson was the one that gave him the nickname. That's pretty that cool. He looked, like, he looked like a little Hank Aaron, so he used that's to call him cool. Hammer. So, yeah, that's why I'm like, wow, I'll try to know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be myself, awesome. I wouldn't call myself, although he's from Oakland, I wouldn't call myself a MC Hammer um, extraordinaire. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't blame you there on that one. Um, <laughs> but last, uh, but not least um dick callahan the a's pa announcer since 2005 um he stepped into the role that he succeeded roy Steele, who was also a titan who we refer to as god. The, the voice of god and picked up right where he left off it has been amazing um he passed away on january 22nd at the age of 80 um before uh, a lot of you know i know him mostly because of the a's mm-hmm. uh but before he was a part of the a's organization as a the pa announcer there it, he was a golden state warriors pa announcer from yeah. 1981 till 2000 um so he somebody who has some really he's been deep, around now barrier roots uh, a lot like he, Bill King, yeah. Some bears kind of tied to a lot of teams, yeah. Absolutely. Um, he actually, if you, I'm sure you all know, but he actually set out this past season in 2020 due to some health concerns. He actually um, had a health issue and decided it was best for him to uh, not call the season. Um. And unfortunately, um, we know we were like, cool. He's going to be coming back in 2021. And unfortunately he passed away. Um, it was really an off. This is, this came the same week as Marcus leaving and as Tommy Stella leaving and just us being frustrated with John Fisher. And then this happened. This, well, this was, this was a horrible week. Yeah. Not much else to add, but I, I don't know. My personal favorite is how about third baseman, Eric. Just like the way I don't want to say it too loud because yeah. I'm in a hotel, but, he, but yeah. uh, just the way he would kind of like finish off Chavez and I don't know, yeah, he he just felt like the Coliseum to me. He just felt like home. So it's I don't know. It's going to be weird going to a game and not hearing his voice and hearing him say the batting order. And then occasionally a kid when a kid says the batting order in like the third inning or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be weird not hearing that for sure. It's a tough one. I just. And now for the umpiring crew at uh, behind home plate, Angel Hernandez. Ooh. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Um, we had a running list of uh, some of the favorites. Uh, so just some of the favorite names I'd love to hear. Super random, but Kevin Kuz. That's a good one. It's a classic. Yep. Uh, Mike. Diego, <laughs> Kurt Suzuki, and then a uh, shout out to Xavier for this one, Xavier Bejarano. 
Cold, cold, crisp. Yep, that's a great one too. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. We just have some good news. We just have some good news for Ace. Hopefully, like, next time we talk to you, listeners, we'll have some good news. Maybe we like, shouldn't like, pod. Maybe we shouldn't pod until we hear some good news. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> this this is our 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 venting pod. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is how we vent. This but, one, the uh, last one. Yeah, exactly. But uh, condolences to his family, yeah. friends, the organization, abs- absolute titan. Um, titan. But yeah, man. So that's so absolutely. That, that, that'll. Uh, I think that'll that'll end it for us then, right, Julio? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, we get the news that Trevor Bauer signs with the A's, and then. It can... <laughs> Or some good news, just any good news. And then hopefully that'll be a bright spot to our next podcast. But um, we will be back soon. Um, spring training is going to start up soon, so we'll be potting more often. Once spring training comes, maybe every two weeks or something. And then once the season starts, regular every week. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And last but not least, Julio. Let's go Oakland! Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.